0: Um, today, uh, we have a, an amazing uh, panel, an amazing evening. Uh, Kawami Alexander is a poet, educator and the New York Times best-selling author of 28 books. 28 books. OK, I went to an event not too long ago. I was at an event not too long ago, um, and they introduced the, the great institution known as Judy Bloom who also did 26 books, so that was, that's pretty awesome. Um, and um, uh, he is a Newbe- Newbery uh, Medal winning, Newbery Award winning writer. Uh, some of his other works include uh, Booked, a National Book Award nominee, the playbook 52 Rules to help you aim, shoot and score in this game of life and the picture books Out of Wonder, Surf's Up and the Undefeated. Um, Nikki Giovanni is an institution She is a poet, activist, mother, and professor, the seven-time NAACP Image Award winner, and the first recipient of the Rosa Parks Woman of Courage Award, and holds the Langston Hughes Medal for Outstanding Poetry, among other honors. Wendy Calhoun is a writer and executive producer with with, with, with an overall deal at Warner Brothers. Wow, it's deep. Okay. <laughs> uh, television, stu- uh, uh, with well, Warner Brothers Television Studios, where she's currently developing Lean On Me for the CW and Strong Justice for NBC. Um, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Some, really. And I'm telling people, I'm only using two sentences of their bio, and their bio was like this long. So please check us out at World Wide Web Sky Books. And then later on, they will be joined by Randy Peterson. Randy is a singer, songwriter, educator, and storyteller who grew up on three continents. Raised in England and Kenya, he gained a deep appreciation for the lore, the myths, and the legends of the places he has lived. This love of words and storytelling led to reams of bad poetry, a degree in English literature, a mildly successful Christian rock band, and culminated in 18 years of teaching. So uh, Randy will be joining us a little later. But right now, let's start off with Wendy.
1: I'm so honored to be here today. I'm so honored that I I flew my mother out and she's on the front row, and that's a big deal, Marilyn Calhoun, a, <laughs> a Delta. Delta. Mm-hmm. There you go, there you go. See, you're not lonely. She got a red on and everything. So, anyways, um, yeah, I'm you know I'm a humble. No, I'm not. I'm a semi-humble TV writer. Uh, I write things that are loud and big, and you know. I always think of dialogue, though, as poetry, so I'm humbled to be in the presence of these two wonderful poets, and I have to ask, because you danced around it in your opening number, but how did you meet?
2: <laughs> I taught him. You taught him? Yeah, he said Virginia Tech. Ta- yeah, I taught him. He enrolled in my, in my class. Now, he's got a... Why did you, Kwame, he says uh, I gave him a C.
1: Mm, (laughs) I want to hear that story, for sure.
2: I can't imagine I made that kind of mistake.
3: (laughs) So the deal is, (laughs) I had first met Nikki when I was three, in your book, Spin a Soft Black Song. And you had a poem in there that had a line that said, come Nataki, dance with me. Mm-hmm. And I begged my mother to name my new daughter, my new sister, Nataki, wow, no. and she did.
4: Oh wow! So that
3: was my first time meeting you. And then when you taught, you, you came to Tech in '87 or '88. '87. And in, in your first class, your first course was advanced poetry, and I had fashioned myself an advanced poet. <laughs> and so I took your, I took, your, I signed up for your class. I got in. I know it's tough for people to get into your classes now, but I got into your class, first year, first class you taught. And I remember getting a C, a lot of Cs. Now, it could be that I created this story, this, but I feel like I got a C. I do remember coming to your office and you and I having a conversation, and it ending with you saying, Kwame, I can teach, I can teach you how to write poetry but I can't teach you to be interesting. <laughs> wow. You remember that? <laughs> I mean, I remember that 20 some, 30 years later. Like that was a defining moment for me because it upset me, it frustrated me, but it was a, it was a, it was a frustration that came from a place, like I learned a lot from that statement. I learned a lot that defined my entire writerly career. Like, there's a lot in that. That's how we met.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, did you see any light in this C student from the beginning when you were first teaching him?
2: Oh, I think that anybody. First of all, he's a hard worker. Okay. And I remember getting uh, He Said, She Said when, when you sent that, uh, you, uh, his first book. And uh, he just wanted to blurb, and he said, "What well, I blurb," and of course, I, I was thrilled. And uh, you know, I showed you "Oh, look what he's doing!" And you can see it. But um, honestly, I don't know how else to say that um, swing is uh, is incredibly brilliant. And so, as he has grown, as I have watched your career, aside from the fact that I love you, as I've watched the career go, because I love crossover, and I'm always mm-hmm. buying, you know, by <laughs> I go into bookstores if I don't like the way they have it put. (laughs) I turn it around and turn other books the other way. (laughs) But I really, I'm, I'm really just in love with swing, because I I just think one, the chances that you took. I think what you did with jazz was incredible. What What's the kid's name? Not Noah. um, Walt. 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 And so the friendship, what we had to give, I. I don't know how to answer this, and I don't want, this is Kwame's moment, not mine. But one of the things that is always I do Aesop, of course we read it. I, I wrote a book called uh, "The Grasshopper Song," because I never liked the way the ants treated the grasshopper. Okay. It's, it's a longer story, but <laughs> they mistreated him. But I've been looking at the turtle and the hare, and they're always saying, you know, my grandfather's a Latin teacher. They're always saying that the, that the hare was a lazy kind of indifferent guy, and he's running along, and he stops and has, you know, he takes a nap, you know, all crap, crap, crap. And the turtle works so hard, and the turtle, and it's that hard work that gets the turtle over the line. I thought, something's wrong with this. And you know how you, something's wrong Mm. with that. And I finally have come to the conclusion, that's something else I'm working on, by the way. And I've come to the conclusion that the hare and the turtle, of course, were friends. They're out there in the forest together. Clearly something happened to the turtle, and I don't know what. That made him, her, it sad. And the hare is his friend, so the hare wanted to give something to the turtle. All the hare had is speed. So when he wants his friend to have something, all he can give him is his speed. So when he proposes, oh, come on, let's take her a, a race, and the turtle says, well, okay, because the turtle, you know, the hare is gonna give him the speed because that's like all I have are words or all other people have are food or other people have is uh, uh, they do things efficiently. And so the turtle, the, the, the hare had to make sure that the turtle crossed the line because the hare loved the turtle and the turtle needed a win. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking at things
3: like that. This and is, This is what class was like. <laughs> and so this is what class was like. I took three classes with you. Yeah. There are two kinds of teachers in this world. There are teachers who can build and mold and shape human beings that are going to have an impact on the world, or there are teachers who can destroy you. My first grade teacher, Ms. Virgil, beginning of the summer, she said, you read 100 books, you come back to school, I'll give you a t-shirt that said I read 100 books. I read 100 books in two weeks. <laughs> got that t-shirt when I got back to school in September. Loved it, wore it for a week straight. Aww. Senior year AP English teacher, AP lit teacher, Ms. Morgan. Write a 30 page paper on any novel or respond to any novel. I chose Things Fall Apart. I got the grade back. It was an F. Wow. When I asked her why the F, she said the paper was so good, there's no way you could have written it.
5: Uh-oh.
3: My college professor, Nikki Giovanni you sat in her class, she shared stories like this. If you had enough sense to get it, to listen, and to learn from it, then you could take that bit of knowledge, that bit of information, and go off into the world and hopefully do something meaningful and significant, like so many of your students have done. What kind of teacher are you going to be? Are you going to be a Miss Morgan, or are you going to be a Nikki Giovanni? Mm. No, thank you,
2: that's sweet.
3: <laughs> I have to it's say. Real. Yeah. It's real. I yeah. mean, because my parents came up to the school and the grade got changed to an A. But what about the kids who don't have the parents to come up to the school? How are they going to know their worth? I think that's the biggest thing that I learned from you is know your worth. Yep. Beautiful. Well,
1: well you know, I had to – when I sat down to read Swing, I I started the book and then I had to listen to the audio book because I – have been on deadline after deadline. But I was so happy because it's your voice telling me the story, and it was so much fun. And I have to ask, when I, I, because I knew the crossover, so I thought, okay, I'm stepping into a baseball book. But then all of a sudden, the music came, and the romantic poetry came. What was the place where you, where you found the inspiration to start this story?
3: Um, the story is about baseball, jazz, Love and social justice. There's a lot of, uh, it's also about art. Um, I didn't write this book alone. I wrote it with a really good friend. Her name is Mary Randhess. And we wrote a previous novel together called Sola. All I can say is that we tried to layer this book with a lot of different things. We tried to capture the essence of what it means to be a teenager today, and it's a lot of stuff going on. And we tried to m- layer it in a way that it wasn't like a Spike Lee movie, where there was just so much going on and you were like, ah! <laughs> but that it comes together in the end yeah. in a seamless way. That wasn't a dig in Spike, you I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but um, so the inspiration, I mean, the inspiration for all that, it came from Mary, it came from me, it came from us together. It, um, there's mixed media art in the book. Uh, Mary did all the mixed media art. It started because I wanted to include some blackout poems. Blackout poems are where you take uh, a piece of paper, a page from a book, and you black out all the words, except the words you want to remain to create a new poem. And so Mary's idea was, well, maybe we should take that a step further. Instead of just blacking out the words, let's create art around the words, which I think is really spectacular. I don't know if I answered the question, but yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, it sounded like a part of this process was to have those different layers. That was important to you?
3: Yeah, I mean, because if you read good poetry, if you read good poetry, you can read uh, you can read ego tripping. Nikki's poem, ego tripping. It's a lot going on in that poem. Like she takes you through the whole history of <laughs> just you know of blackness,
4: mm.
3: you know of black womanness. I mean, there's I think the really the really good poets know how to put a l- say a lot of different things and as Langston Hughes said it, uh distill it down, distill the human soul entire, you know, into a few of the right words that really just, you know, impact you. So I come out of that tradition, I think. That's what I try to do. Wow.
1: I understand that Good Cry is a book that you have, is that right? Oh
3: yes. yes. What about that one? A Good one? Cry. A good yeah. Cry? Yeah, does great.
1: that uh what about you? Was there a place where you dove into that, uh, where you felt like I have to write this book, and why?
2: I, I don't. Uh, I'm no good with any of these things. I just got invited recently, by the way, to be the graduate speaker, and I wrote him back. Jenny said, "Oh, isn't this wonderful?" <laughs> and I said, "Let me answer." Because Jenny answered, I, I wrote him back. and said, you, "You don't want me to be the graduate speaker. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm the worst speaker in the world. You know, that make you all crazy. So I didn't do it, of course." What happened with the the good cries, it started with my mother's death, but mommy died 13 years ago. And so there were things that I was pulling out. And as you pull them together, I'm at the age, in all fairness to everybody in the room who does everything, and I am reasonably humble, I'm, I'm 75 years old, so, you know, they can take it or leave it. And so, you know, you get to that point, maybe if I was 25, I couldn't have written, no, not maybe, I couldn't have written A Good Cry at 25, that book. I couldn't have put it together that way because I would have sort of cared about my editor caring about how I got it done. But now I don't, I'm, work- I'm working on a book that I am just incredibly in love with and it's called um, Make Me Rain. And Make Me Rain has a poem in it and I started to bring, it. I didn't get a, I I don't have enough of it. But this thing that happened to Dr. Ford, and oh yeah, it was terrible. And I didn't want to try to deal with, I just want to mention this, because what disturbed me, the poem that I have coming, is the the poem is called Laughter, because I can't imagine anything worse than somebody abusing you like that, and the laughter. And the, the first line says, and when she dies, she will hear the laughter. I hope that she can hurry back and tell us what it's like. And so we're going to go through that laughter that she heard as these people were abusing her and the laughter that Donald Trump had when he was saying, oh, you know, she does. I mean, that was supposed to be a joke. And the laughter in all fairness to the white women in, the, in, in Trump's audience who were like going, yeah, yeah, you know, what the hell is wrong with them? They used to be 14 or 15 years old. Somebody abused them. What part of their lives don't they remember? because thank God the white women in, in, in Alabama remembered being 14 and knowing that people like Ray Moore put their hands up to And so they went and voted against him. What was wrong with those women in Trump's order? So I've got this thing, and I, what I wanted to do, and it's in Make Me Rain, is I've got laughter as steps so that as she goes to heaven, she's walking up the steps on this laughter. And um, I just fall in love with some things that I've been doing like that. And one day I'll wake up and I'll say, oh, I need to let it go, because I've got, I think, 70-something poems in it. One day i just wake up and send it off to Rachel, and I say, Rachel, this is, this is the book, and most likely Rachel will, not because it really, it's such an all famous to me. It, it's, it, it's just an incredible book. It's a book that only a 75-year-old woman could write, though, wow. because you don't know these things. Yeah. At 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 even I hate to say it like that, but even at fifty, who would ever thought you would have said, Oh, even when I get to at fifty I wouldn't have known that. Who would have thought you would say that? Does anybody have a
3: copy of A Good Cry?
2: is can, a- yeah. can we
3: get one up here?
2: I think she's gonna read something from Oh I can. I'd love that.
1: I'd love for you to read a little swing for us too, if you wouldn't mind.
2: Okay, that's fair enough. Um, well, I've got some, let me read this poem, (laughs) and, um, most of you wouldn't know him, you will, uh, Kwame, because, uh, there's a, a young man named Kevin Jones, he's a football player at Virginia Tech, you know Kevin, and I taught Kevin, as I taught Kwame, and Kevin is in our Hall of Fame, okay, and so he came to me and he asked, and the reason I'm going to read this poem is, is I'm here with Kwame, uh, Kevin said to me, "Nikki, help me. I need to find some words to accept it. Can you help me? And at first I said, Kevin, you know, because he's smart. I said, you can do this. And we were talking back and forth, and I finally said, okay, let me see what I can do. Because we forget, as I said earlier, and it's true, all I have is words. That, that's, that's what I have. I wrote a poem and gave it to Kevin. It's called I Play Football. Some people plant seeds for corn and tomatoes and ochre which grow. Some people clean land and at evening you can see the deer eating flowers or just standing. Mother deer watching her babies. Some people live in crowded cities and they put out window boxes with herbs enchanting the folk who walk by. I play football. I have watched men work too long for too little then come home to smile at their wives and children. I have watched every Saturday Sunday Sunday school children offer a song Preachers offer hope. A choir offers a voice and join the community in prayer to a merciful God that life will be better. I play football. I listen to my parents tell me to go forward. I listen to my teachers tell me I can. I listen to the wind whistling in my ear and sometimes the rain falling on my back and I understood the true heroes of our nation. I am, my, I am doing my part to be a part of this community, this school, this team. I am humbled to be considered for the Hall of Fame when I know the true heroes are the men and women who every day go, f- go forward. I play football. I hope I have done my share. I really like that. Thank you.
1: What do you say to that, Kwame? <laughs> Is she, do you still learn from your teacher ever? Or are you, where are you in your, process, your journey?
3: I think T.S. Eliot said, immature poets imitate, mature poets steal. <laughs> I have borrowed so much stuff from Nikki, <laughs> like post-college. There's a poem you wrote about Richard Williams, Venus and Serena's father. Oh, yeah. It was a list poem. It was, a, it, it was um, it, yeah, so it, it was a beautiful poem, and I, I ended up writing a list poem, my first list poem after, write, after reading that. Um, you have a, uh, ha- so I borrowed so much from her. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote this poem. My wife had asked why didn't I, she woke me up one morning at 3 a.m. and she was like, why don't you write me love poems anymore? <laughs> and I had written her love poems for like years and then I stopped. And so I ended up writing a poem that was based on a Nikki poem. And it was something- it went something like this, uh, if you were a ladder, I'd climb you, mm-hmm. way up to the top, and I'd find you. If you were unhinged, I'd center you. If you were a doorway, I'd enter you. Uh, yeah. So that, so that's, that is a straight riff from a Nikki poem. Mm. So I've borrowed a lot from Nikki. Um, yeah. Wow.
2: Thank yeah. you. I'm delighted. Yeah.
3: The
1: the romantic poetry in swing is just gorgeous. It is. it is gorgeous. Would you mind sharing a little?
3: So first of all, Mary and I wrote the book together but all the, all the good parts I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> so, so humble. Marry, so humble. <laughs> <laughs> um, Randy and I are going to do a little bit of that. Oh, okay. Spread. I don't want to jump share. the gun. Yeah, I'll share a little bit of that. Um, but um, Nikki writes some of the best love poems. Um, bicycles. Love poems. Um, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, the love poems, wow. I mean, Neruda, E. E.E. Cummings, I carry your heart in my heart. So many. I, I'm, I, I'm in, I remember writing you a letter back in 1992 and asking you about to define poetry, and you gave me this answer about, um. I said, Is there anything, is there such a thing as bad poetry? And you wrote back and you said, I don't know if there's such a thing as bad poetry, but there's poetry that doesn't behave. <laughs> right?
0: It doesn't act right. Um,
3: yeah. So.
1: Now, this, the, the character Noah, can you tell us a little bit about Noah and why you, uh, why you wanted to write about him in particular?
3: Um, I'm a big fan of writing about boys who are trying to become men, Mm -hmm. you know, um, who are trying to figure out how to find their place in the world. Whether it's the crossover, Josh and JB, or Nick and Booked, um, I try to write books that are about um, young boys in particular and books that are for all of us to read. So I don't necessarily think I'm writing for kids. I think I'm writing for kids and us. Um, Noah is, um, he's not a very cool guy. He's like me when I was in high school. Like, I didn't get cool until very recently. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want, like, how does a kid try to find his cool? How does he go about finding his cool? And, and, and what happens when he finds it, when he finds his place in the world? but the world is not ready for it. That's, where, that's sort of where that story started.
2: But you know what I'm looking for, for young men who write, I think it's time that we had the men to write a poem that says, the size of your penis doesn't matter. It's a good, good first line. Yeah, because no woman, and, and a lot of women in this room, not one of you can tell me you fell in love with a man because of the size of his dick. You, you didn't check that out and say, oh, now, I, no. and i think that it's men that are going to have to because you got a president of the united states talking about the size of his dick it can't matter and it's time that the young men realize it's the size of your heart and your brain and somehow we have to get the men to write about that because that's what we fell in love with we did not fall in love with your penis and it's time that that starts to get Said Because somehow or another we're, we're living in a world, you know, am I making sense?
3: This is what class was like.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and
3: you either listen and you learn, yeah. you know, you read between the lines. Poetry is about the words that are spoken and written, but it's also about the white space. It's about the spaces in between the words. Mm-hmm. It's about the white space is the spiritual journey that you, the reader, have to take. You got to do your part. And I think once you do that, poetry has the capacity to make you more human.
1: Okay, you're reminding me of a poem that you wrote. I hope you can share it. Remember the one you wrote to your wife? Before she was your wife? They got her really interested in you? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, I met Maya Angelou for the first time in 1994 in Atlanta, Georgia, at the National Black Arts Festival. She was speaking in a church. And we were all just spellbound. I know Maya was a friend of yours. That mm-hmm. um, I'm and a better cook. <laughs> 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 and my
1: Nobody's keeping score.
3: <laughs> Maya had read um, Paul Lawrence Dunbar's poem, Jump Back, Honey, Jump Back. And the music and the rhythm of it inspired me to write a poem. And I wrote a poem um, for this girl I was dating at the time. I think that's what you're referring to. Yes. I know my honey cares for me. See, I asked her for a dollar, and she gave me a I've dated a lot of girls in my life, but you one day are going to be my wife. I know my sugar's love is true. See, I told my mama, and she told hers. Now I've dated a lot of girls in my life, but you one day gonna be my wife. I know my baby's heart is mine. See, she tells me all the time, I'm worth a dime. fine. <laughs> what took y'all so long? <laughs> <laughs> I've dated a lot of girls in my life, but you one day gonna be my wife. My baby's been asking how I feel, wants to know are my feelings real. So I proceed to kiss her on her politely place my hand on her, yes. whisper these words in her, yeah, yeah. and hope she doesn't get too excited to hear that I've dated a lot of girls in my life. <laughs> but you one day gonna be my wife. And she married me. Mm, I love it so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, you are you're a rock star to the middle schoolers and elementary schoolers. I remember when I first told my daughter, she's 11, she goes to the pilgrim school, I said, oh, uh, you know, I'm going to get to meet Kwame Alexander. And she says, oh, he's been at our school. (laughs) She was, uh, it was, uh, so I, I am so curious, especially about things like jazz and history and things that you blend into your stories. How do your young fans react
3: to that? Um. Randy and I travel around to schools, like in the past three years, we've gone to about a thousand schools. And when we leave these schools, um, I think the kids are pretty engaged with the idea that books can be cool. And I say that because they come up to us and ask us to sign their arms and foreheads. <laughs> 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 in addition to the books yeah I mean, that, that's, that's, I mean I think our goal is to get them excited about literature and to the degree like I did when I sat in Nikki's class I want them to have that experience nine times out of ten our lessons in Nikki's class were not what you would normally get in a creative writing poetry class There were stories. There were spirituals. There were all these things that made you want to write poetry. And I think if we can create this environment for our young people where they want to read, or where they want to write, I think we're doing something pretty special, however you can get to that.
1: Would you say that's part of your greatest mission in what you're doing?
3: Yeah, definitely.
1: Definitely. Do you, do, you, do you encourage your children to write? Do they write for you?
3: I encourage, I mean, I have two daughters, nine, uh, 10 and 27. and My 10-year-old, we were going to Dubai, and we were going to be on a flight. <laughs> for like <me>. you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, we were going to be on a flight for 11 hours, and she wanted to watch TV the whole time. And I was like, well, you got to read. You got to read for four hours and you can watch TV for seven, knowing she'd probably go to sleep for at least four or five, right? So so I, I had given a speech in front of 5,000 teachers. And during the speech, I came up with this quote off the top of my head. It was about the power of reading. And it was, books are like amusement parks, but you got to let kids choose the rides. Mm-hmm. Where that came from was an interview I read with Nikki Giovanni. This is all coming full circle, right? <laughs> I told y'all I steal words. <laughs> so, so, so my daughter was in the front row and she heard this speech. So we're on the plane to Dubai and, and she, I, I'm like, you gotta read for four hours. So she pulls out graphic novels, comic books.
0: Oh yeah.
3: She's like, cool, I'll read. And I'm like, no, you gotta read text. You gotta read Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. <laughs> you know, you gotta read, And she and she says, you know what, you don't listen to your own speeches. I thought books were amusement parks. <laughs> <laughs> so I let her read the graphic novel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'll tell you one thing that's really struck me about what you do is that there are not very many men of color who do what you do. How important is that for you to, to have your voice in this world?
3: You want to that? Well,:
2: Well, first of all, he can't be uncolored, so we, we can right. We can erase that, right, OK. So now we're saying how important it is it for men yeah. to come in, And we can think about it, well, goody for the men, but what makes him a man? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've already eliminated the penis because we recognize well, we just did, it, it, it's in the way. So that's gonna leave him with a spirit, right? If we've, and so how important is it for us spiritually to come into these schools and share what we have to share? And what he has to share, actually, as he knows, is his imagination.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's what you bring in. So it doesn't matter his color, it doesn't matter you know, whether or not he has a penis. What matters is that he brings his imagination and he shares it. And that's what we have to realize, because if he says, I'm colored and I got a dick, He's not going to be able to sell anything. Oh, I see.
1: Well, I will say though, the thing that I love about his books is I feel you, you first see of all, what I'm saying? The, well, there's a rhythm to the to them that I feel culturally connected to, right off the bat. Now maybe it's because I can't uncolor.
2: I'm not going to, you know, I'm I'm just here because Kwame called me and said, "Come out, okay." <laughs> but we don't speak English, and that's that's one of the things that needs to be dealt with. We speak American. Mm-hmm. That's what we speak, and in bringing the enslaved who were sold in Africa and brought over here, we brought a language, but the language that we brought didn't speak to the language of the buyer. So we had to find a way to bring those together. Am I making sense? So we're gonna end up with something called American. That's what what we're speaking right now is American. I had the pleasure of meeting Queen Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. and it was such a, I would say it was a pleasure, you know and I'm a Fisk University graduate, she asked to meet me, of course I know, and I, I wanted to, to say, you know, to her, I'm a Fisk University graduate, and I wanted to talk about her grand, grandmother, uh, Victoria, not, not along, just a bit, and I said to her, you know, ma'am, you know, you meet her, how are you, and I said, ma'am, we have something in common, <laughs> she kind of looks up, oh. <laughs> <laughs> If we had had a long conversation, I wouldn't have understood a damn word she said. Oh, wow. But she wouldn't have understood me. We speak American. So let's start with what we speak. Mm-hmm. So you say culture, but there is no such thing as anybody in this culture, no matter what color they may outwardly have, who doesn't come from this culture. Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? Yeah. And anybody who is rich, I always love rich white people because I enjoy talking to them about this. Rich white people <laughs> are not white because their fathers had not wanted their mother's tits to be messed up, and they sent them down to the slave quarters to drink black milk. You are what you eat. <laughs> Am I right?
1: I really didn't expect this question to go this way, but I'm, I'm enjoying it.
2: So there's no such thing, we're talking about culture. Well, I'm saying it's all apart, oh. And we keep trying, my generation came from segregation. This generation now, and that includes Carmen, are not segregation. And between segregation and not segregation is still racism. Mm-hmm. But the culture belongs to all of us. You asked a, question, a cultural question. Right. And I'm saying, and, and, and the one thing I wouldn't want, he didn't ask and I didn't, the only advice I've given Kwame, to be fair, is if you're flying because he's 6'5", make him send you first class. That was my advice, you know, I don't care where you're going, make him send you first class, the rest of it. But the culture belongs to all of us. <laughs> And so the less we allow white people to say, well, this is our culture and that's your culture, because it's not true. Mm -hmm. And actually, you are what you eat, which is why you see fat people running around because they eat McDonald's or KFC or some shit like that. (laughs) And and it's what makes them sick and fat and and unhealthy and stuff. We are a part of the culture and the culture is a part of us.
3: So. I would add to that and say that the books like the crossover and booked and swing I try to write books. I try to write characters that remind us of what she just said, that we are all part of the same culture, and that we have to recognize the full humanity of each other.
2: Fair. He did it quicker than I did.
1: (laughs) Was there anything that you really wanted to make sure we, we covered about Swing tonight?
3: No, Anything mean, you I, wanted to share? I just wanted to, I mean, I'm sure you all have, may have some questions for Nikki or I, so I wanted to take a few questions, but no, I'm good.
1: Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Anybody have questions?
3: Yes. I have two questions. When you ladder up to heaven with that poem, does the quality of the ladder change? And if we're
5: in this culture, and hmm? African Americans are defining in our way now
2: for the past century, can you speak up? I'll repeat it.
5: Is how you is a
2: very complex identity, the well, you know, America's been playing a game. She, what, what she's saying is, how do we put it all together? America's been playing a game, and we've been letting them. And so we are a quilt. I live in Appalachia. So one of the things that I, I think the best white people in America are Appalachians, and there's a long history of what the Appalachian did and stuff. But we are a quilt. And so a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and we have to remember that. And we have to go on. And we started today singing, because I love it so much, leaning on the everlasting arm. We started today just saying, oh, why not do what we want to do? And it didn't matter to me, I can't sing, I know that. There are things that you don't do well, that I enjoy doing. I like quilts, I wish I had bought them. One mistake I made, somebody's gonna ask me one day, If you had one thing that you could do that that you haven't, that you've wanted to do that you didn't, it was when I first went to Gee's Bend, I wish I had bought a quilt. Because, yeah, you could have gotten one for a couple hundred dollars, that is $10,000 now. What you're asking is, how do we, that's the truth, if you've seen, oh, and they're beautiful. How do we bring it all together? One is that we quit letting people act like it's not. Now you might say, well, who wants to own up to, you know, I don't want Donald Trump to be colored. I want him to be evil because that's what he is. And I think of evil, you know, as being white. I don't think that, you know, he, he, I don't think he eats, you know, what, what is it? A uh, 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 stew that my grandmother made. If he did, he'd be a better man. Anyone making sense? Yes. If he listened to the music that I grew up with, he'd be a better man. And one of the things that America has suffered from is that we no longer have the draft because the draft Bought us together, about the music together, about the food together, and about the clothes together. And now all we have is poor white boys and, 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 and black men who are not being friends. I think the draft ought to come back. I do. If you're going to have war, you got to have draft. Bring them back together and let us get to know each other. Is that Does that make sense? Oh, but see, I just worry. I, I think that that woman is going to the last thing she's going to hear. Is the laughter,
5: but it's a good laughter
2: right? it, it i i don't know i, I I'm, I'm just a poet. I just know that if somebody her and I hear them laughing and I die that's going to be the last thing i hear so i don't i don't know i I don't know, but I know that some things aren't funny, mm-hmm. and I know that if you cut in Valdosta, Florida a woman down from a tree who is Then hanged upside down and split open, and the baby falling, and people stamping the baby till you can't tell its gender. It's not funny. And the only thing that you can do is wipe the sweat off of her and pick up the pieces there and sing a song. That's all I know. So we have to keep those songs alive. Yes, you had a question?
1: So the question is, how is blackout poetry different from verse?
3: So, when you're writing a, an original poem, you have the full, you know, range of vocabulary to pull from. You have a range of, you know, uh, a, an expansive range of imagery to pull from. Your figurative language. I mean, th- it's it's. It's a, it's a blank slate. With blackout poetry, you only have the words on this page. okay? And so you've got to be able to create something from the words on this page. And you only have these words. And so you're sort of bound by this. In many ways. It's even, it's even more complex for me, because you still have to, if you want it to be a, a, a poem that behaves, you still have to employ the same devices that you would in writing a poem. It still has to be concise. It still has to have a rhythm. It still has to have some figurative language. It, you know, it still has to have these things that make it compelling and interesting. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, it's it's... It's, it's very, um, like it's, it's, it's a relief. The process is so um, invigorating when you complete it and when you've done it.
1: That sounds very much like the type of work that I did when I first started writing. I, I started writing documentaries and reality uh, on that side. And you think there's no script to it, but there is. But you just take what is real and now you make it something else. Right. And it's interesting because once, uh, after seven years of doing that, that's still very much my process as a fiction writer. I, you know, my, my shows are about real people, <laughs> typically, or they're about real events that I then take almost like a collage and then make a new mosaic out of them. Yep. I totally understand, but it is fun. It's a lot of math, believe it or not. There's something mathematic about it. Yes, in the pink shirt.
6: Um, and I remember standing on the Upper East Side in New York, uh, which is a very wealthy area. People don't know. And I had the crossover in my hand, and I was waiting for my husband to come out of his office. And a young, probably fifth-grade white boy walked by, super confident, and was just like, "That's a great book." <laughs> <laughs> man who I assume lived on the Upper East Side since he was just walking around. and like He owned the place, was, um, was enjoying it as well. And the second thing um, I want to share is part of the Project Lit community, which is really about getting books that our kids love and authors that look like them into their hands. We are just reading um, Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. And speaking of poetry, one of the young men who's a 7th grader at my school, uh, Edward Markham Middle School in Watson, Said, brought the book back after he had finished it. And he and he came with the counselor and she was like, Yeah, you're not, you know, you're not doing that well in your English class, what's going on? And he's like, I don't really like to write. And she said, Well, I know you like to write poetry. And he said, Yeah, but I didn't know that you could write a book, a story as poetry. And I think I want to try it now. And so I just want to appreciate you both for creating works.
1: Here. So, as an emerging writer, when do I
4: know my poem is not behaving? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Question is: when does a poem not behave?
2: <laughs> I want to ask the gentleman there.
5: same and compared as them, cause it involves like, losing friends, losing trust in a lot of things, even though we're not, just because of our or how we
2: work. Well, you know, let, let's be fair. You don't like everybody because they're white. You don't just go around and see somebody and say, oh, I love you, you white. <laughs> so why should they look around and say they love you because you're black? Or they hate you because you're black, and why should you give a damn? Why don't you find the people you like? Black, brown, yellow, male, female. Why is this a concern? Oh, this white kid over here called me a nigger. Call him a a cracker and go on.
4: (laughs) I'm serious.
2: You can't sit around. You don't care about some of these people and they don't care about you, goody. Now let's go on with our lives. And stay off of Facebook, by the way. Okay. Get off of Facebook because it'll make you crazy. Because none of those people are having a happy life. If they were having a happy life, they wouldn't be writing on Facebook. They would be living it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fucking lie. You know that the poem is finished, like you know when the okra is fresh. I got it. I, I wasn't. <laughs> not, I just saw his question. Remember uh, that. Polka dots
1: shirt, beautiful, yes. More questions? Yes. We have a few more minutes that we can uh, do some questions and then we have something special coming up, right? We've got some music maybe, a little reading going on, M- more from Pink, yes, yes. <laughs> it's just a that I I wanted to ask for a long time, without giving away
3: the ending, did you know the ending of the crossover when you started writing? Did I know the ending of the crossover? I didn't know the ending of the crossover or Swing when I wrote them. Um, They happened in later drafts. With the crossover, it happened in a dream. I do a lot of writing in my dreams. Um, With Swing, Marriott and I wrote the first draft, and we threw it away. The second and third draft had a completely different ending. The fourth draft. I don't know whether we were we go to a lake house to write sometimes. I don't know whether we were there or whether we were in my in my studio or whether we were at a coffee house. But I remember the I remember that it hit me that the ending it's gotta be what it ended up being. And I remember the two of us having this moment of silence that was 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 pretty um, Bless you. it was pretty despondent. I'll say that.
1: Wow. Well, shall we transition to some music? Let's do it.
3: Y'all give it up for Nikki Giovanni.
1: Yes.
0: And thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy, so much. Thank you. So what we'll do is we'll move this out of the way. Um, and then we will uh, bring Randy to come out and to to add a music element to the evening. Um, They'll be singing for about 15 minutes. I'm just going to read a few
3: from the book, and uh, and Randy's
0: going to play a little bit. Sounds good. And then after after they're done, then we're going to actually start the signing, so um, please stick around for that, all right?
3: This is the one. So that's kind of a good feeling. Um, It's so good that y'all came out. Thank y'all so much. I appreciate it. Um, Nikki appreciates it. When do you you head back tomorrow? Wow. Um, Randy and I have been on, you know, 30 cities. This is city number 16, I think. Um, a lot of 5 a.m. flights, a lot of 3 a.m. pickups. Um, a couple schools a day and then a public event. And we've been loving it. It's been great. Our flight leaves at 12:55 a.m. tonight. And we'll get off the plane and go to a school in Franklin, Louisiana. Uh, are you flying first yes. <laughs> and apparently they have the uh the late the late flat seats. So I'm going to bed. <laughs> it is a wrap. We were um, in Key West a couple of days ago with um, at Judy Bloom's bookstore, which was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, so swing. <sighs> I'm just going to do a few pieces, and you can make up some songs, sing some songs with it.
4: Like you're not going to tell
3: me what you No, do. you just feel it out. About, uh, I started going to schools 26 years ago. And for 23 years, I visited a 1,000 schools. And so in 2015, I was burned out. I told my wife, I'm never going to a school again. I'm done. I would do five presentations a day. And it was just a lot of work. And I loved it, but after 20-some years, I was burned out. I didn't want to do it. And then I won the Newberry, and the phone rang off the hook. But and it wasn't people just calling and saying, we're going to pay you $25, $50, $100. They were going to pay you whatever you wanted. And my wife was like, you're going back on the road. <laughs> and I didn't know exactly you know, how that was going to work, because, again, I was burned out, and I didn't have any passion for it. And so I was on NPR talking about the Newberry, and Randy called me. And he said, yo, um, are you on NPR right now? And I was like, no, dude, that was recorded yesterday. I was trying to distract him. I was hoping he would be. (laughs) And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I retired. He had been teaching for 18 years, and he retired. And I said, well, I'm going to be at Politics and Prose, so why don't you come out and bring your guitar? And that was in 2015, and we've been on the road together for three years. I guess, yeah. (laughs) I sort of found my passion for visiting schools again. And, and, and this is sort of what happens. We were halfway through junior year rounding the bases about to score. Walt was still pretending like he wasn't weird and front and cool. Sam was busy being cool and fine while her boyfriend Cruz was busy hitting home runs and being president of the I'm so cool even my temper is lukewarm club. And I was in the dugout mostly happy just watching trying to get up the nerve to get in the game. We were best friends rounding the bases, about to score. There was a
4: boy, a very strange, enchanted boy. They said he traveled very far, very far over land and sea. A little shy sad of I but very wise was he and Then one day magic day he passed my way and we spoke of many things fools and kings. This he said to me, greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return, be loved in return, yeah.
3: We were halfway through junior year rounding the bases about to score. Things were pretty much normal. Baseball was still king. But people were also talking about the American flags randomly popping up around town, on car windows, in graveyards, graffitied on freeway exit signs, anywhere, everywhere. Spray-painted on a stop sign near his house is a red, white, and blue Lone Star with one word underneath it, America, with a question mark. Why the question mark, though? Has America lived up to its ideals, my best friend Walt says? There's a debt to be paid, and it's time to cash the check. Let America be America for all. What's in your wallet, Noah? You got all that from a question mark? I'm just saying the flags are a sign. Of what? Of things falling apart. Dude, your brain is like a mashup of everything you've ever read or seen or heard. Hey, I'm just being real. Somebody posted they saw someone in a white sheet putting the flags up. What, like the Klan? Nah, like a ghost, literally disappearing into the darkness. My soon-to-be stepfather thinks Amazon's behind it. Some kind of big advertising thing. To sell flags? Maybe they're making a play for the U.S. Army. That's ridiculous. Why? I mean, they own everything else. The end of the world as we know it, and it starts with Whole Foods and drones. Real profound, Walt. You really think Amazon is the apocalypse? Nah, my soon-to-be stepfather is an idiot. (laughs) We were best friends rounding the bases, about to score. Everything was cool, everything was copacetic, my best friend Walt liked to say. Things were pretty much normal, baseball was still king. We sit in the top row of the bleachers like we own the field, drinking Fanta, eating hot dogs and salted pretzels before the game starts. The players on both teams cross their hearts for the anthem. I get up to do the same, but Sam pulls me back down. What are you doing, I ask. We're taking a stand, Noah. Actually, we're sitting. Exactly. Why? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. Everything's not political, Sam, I say. Actually, everything is. You either uphold the status quo or you see what's wrong and you try to change it. Hey, look over there, she says, pointing to the two police officers, removing the cluster of flags lined up like tombstones along the outside fence. Oh,
4: beautiful.
3: For spacious skies. Like people in uniform, flags salute everywhere you look. They wave, reminding you that this is America. They're the biggest news to hit our town in years. Subject of news broadcasts, letters to the editors, Sunday sermons, and daily gossip. Is it something suspicious or patriotic? Littering or liberty? To me, it's all just kind of insane because no one can agree on why the flags are here. Who's planting them and Whether or not we should be happy or offended that they're growing like dandelions, American flags. Oh,
4: beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesty above the fruited plain, America, America, God shed his grace on thee, and Christ
3: best friends rounding the bases about to score. Everything was cool, my best friend Walt liked to say. Noah likes a girl. He's liked her since the third grade. He's a junior now. He hasn't been able to tell her until today. I look at Cruz. I look at Sam. I look at the blank faces, the glaring time on the clock. I try not to let my lips become bricks, my tongue an anchor, my mouth a desert.
4: Got you under my skin. Way down deep in the heart of me. So deep in my heart, you're really a part of me. I don't really like to say it, but I got you under my skin.
3: There's this song which always reminds me of one of those cowboy movies where a girl is getting harassed at the bar by some drunk. And then a smooth, handsome cowboy with a thick mustache moseys in with his hat load over his eyes and utters a few slick words. Hey there, partner. Why
4: don't you leave the little lady be?
3: less like a question, more like an ultimatum, and the drunk fool will answer, I reckon this is none of your business, stranger, and clumsily pull out his six-shooter, at which point he will get shot dead between the ears by the handsome stranger who will then ride off into the sunset with the girl on his arm. Tonight, you're the star, I say to myself, and this is your movie. You will reach into your pocket and pull out a folded piece of paper. You will open it because Keep going, it works, it works, it's the moment. That doesn't work, but that works. You will reach into your pocket and pull out a folded piece of paper. You will open it because it is your destiny to open it. Because if this were a movie, you would be the hunter. And if they led you to the frontier, you would demand the ranch. If they let you on the ranch, you would own the farm. If they let you own the farm, you would take the house. If they let you in the house, you would take that white piece of paper unwrap it and go, and just go. Sam, I say softly, the echo frightening. My breath quickens like I'm swimming from sharks, like I'm swimming for my life, and then I jump, and ocean spills from my mouth. Sam, since the third grade, when you saved my life, I've marveled at the pristine masterpiece that is you. I am no Michelangelo, but you are my mezzo Fresco. This moment here is my primo canvas. I am not a superhero. I am not a superstar. I am not Superman. I am just a boy colored by the scent of a woman. Sam, I am not a painter, but I will paint you with kindness and passion. Prove it, loser, her boyfriend Cruz yells, <laughs> speed walking toward me like he's up to bat in the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded, so I reach into my pocket, and I pull out a pitch I've been waiting all my life to throw.
4: Got you under my skin Way down deep in the heart of me So deep in my heart You're really a part of me I don't really like to say yeah Got you under my skin Got you under my skin.
3: Got you under my skin. We were halfway through junior year, rounding the bases.
4: Got you under my skin.
3: About to score. We were best friends. Everything was cool. Everything was copacetic, my best friend Walt liked to say. Until it wasn't. Randy Preston, y'all. Thank you so much. Keep it going for Kwame Alexander.
4: Good job. Yeah.
3: Thank y'all so much for letting us do that. Um, before we sign books, Nikki and I are going to sign books. Does anybody have any last questions about swing that we can answer? Yes. Somebody asked me that earlier on the interview. I have no idea. Um, I, I think maybe he's um, tried to read or attempted to read or read part of the other books, but I think these were the two books that probably resonated the most that he connected with, that he was the most interested in. But I never asked him that question. Maybe I'll ask him tonight. Yeah, I'll let you know. I'll text you later. <laughs> I don't have your number. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in the book, Noah finds, uh, he buys his mother a Louis Vuitton, used Louis Vuitton keep all bag from a thrift shop for a birthday and in the bag at the bottom he finds some love letters. So he begins to use those love letters. He sends them anonymously. Um, and so the question was, was that autobiographical? Why are y'all up in my business? <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Um, I, my grandmother used to call me a meddler. She's like, he's always meddling and stuff. And I remember finding letters that were written um, by various members of my um family my great aunts and but that's the only connection, yeah. So when Mary and I threw the first draft away, we threw the first draft away after I wrote that poem. We wrote that, that poem was written and we were like, oh yeah, we're going somewhere completely different. Um, That poem was pretty easy to write. It sort of just came but in order to rewrite it, obviously it took a long time. Like the rewrite, to get it right. But the first draft of that poem, it sort of came. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all have been awesome, this is great. Um, we're gonna sign books. Nikki, thank you so much again for coming.